Welcome to the podcast of Azel Christian Church. We are a Disciples of Christ Church community in Azel, Texas. We invite everyone to be who you are with us, the doubting, the believing, the wondering, and everything in between. On this podcast, you'll hear our pastor, Reverend Ashley Dargai, preach on how the expansive and generative love of God is seen through Jesus, the prophets, the early church, and the faith forebears, and how this love helps us care for the world more deeply and faithfully. Sometimes it's messy and tough, but it's good news, and it is for you. Our scripture for today is on the back of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along. It's Matthew 4, 23 through 5, 12. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. And when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up to the mountain, and after he sat down, his, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were there before you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. When I was a kid... My dad controlled the radio station on our car rides. And he used to play this game with us in which he would turn to us during every song and ask, who sings this? The answer was somewhere along the lines of Queen, ACDC, or perhaps if he was feeling sentimental, Billy Joel. And while I realize that these are pretty recognizable artists, considering my main music exposure at eight years old was the Disney Channel, I found this exercise to have a steep learning curve. Over the years, I got better at it, and this decades-long exercise developed my ear and my love for many artists that I might not have discovered left to my own devices. The exposure to artists and songs over and over again has led me to conclude that there are different levels of knowing a song. First, you hear the song a couple of times and you nod your head to the beat, and then at some point, it starts to register that it's a certain artist. And then you learn the refrain of a song and start to sing along. 
So for example, let's consider a song by Bruce Springsteen. It begins with the iconic synthesizer. Do, 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 do. Do, 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 do. And then we get to the simple chorus. How does it go? Born in the USA, I was born in the USA. I'm going to call on you a couple times during this, so be ready, guys. Okay. When I first heard this song as a kid, I thought, cool, yeah, I was born in the USA. This song seemed like a roll your windows down, drive to the lake on the 4th of July kind of song. But as I've gotten older and have listened to the song many, many times, I know that this Springsteen hit is not a mere lake bop. It's an ironic song, isn't it? Springsteen sings this phrase, born in the USA, over and over, juxtaposing it with verses about a Vietnam War veteran, unable to find work or support when he comes home, disillusioned by the promises of his country. And it took listening to the song again and again to understand it. And of course, maybe if I had heard the song for the first time, knowing it had something serious to say, I would have caught the meaning from the beginning. But because it was such a popular song, I didn't pay much attention the first dozen or two times I heard it. And perhaps the meaning of the refrain of born in the USA doesn't really change with the new understanding of the song so much as it complexifies. What I initially thought was an anthem is actually a lament. And old Bruce is far from the first person to lull us into a sense of relaxation only to call us to attention. So sing along with me if you know this next one. This land is your land, this land is my land, from California to the New York Island, from the Redwood Forest to the Gulf Stream waters. This land was made for you and me. You sound lovely. Woody Guthrie wrote this song in 1940. Can you believe that was 81 years ago? The version we learn in school stretches us across the American landscape, lulling us into the belief that this too is a roll your windows down, drive to the lake song. But Guthrie originally wrote two other verses to go with that, with what we just sang together that didn't appear in its first recording. And they go like this. As I went walking, I saw a sign there. And on the sign it said, no trespassing. But on the other side, it didn't say nothing. That side was made for you and me. One sunny morning in the shadow of the steeple by the relief office, I saw my people as they stood hungry, I stood there wondering if this land was made for you and me. It seems that in the light of these two verses, this 
refrain has been sung over and over again in the past 80 years. This land was made for you and me is no longer a declaration, but a question. A question of what actually is when we thought what we were singing was a declaration of what was a given. And even though he wrote this song in 1940 in the midst of World War II, and America was just beginning to pull out of the Great Depression, the question he poses remains poignant today. Posed by any number of people, it cuts down different lines depending on the race and gender and immigration status of any given singer. And knowing that Guthrie meant for this question to be troubling helps us to trouble the waters too. He left a legacy of inviting us to look deeper into what might otherwise be perceived as a nice song. And Bruce Springsteen credits Guthrie's influence on his own musical career, as does Bob Dylan, who would go on to famously cover This Land Is Your Land, reviving it for a new generation in the 60s. And he would write his own songs for troubling. Come gather round people wherever you roam and admit that the waters around you have grown and accept it that soon you'll be drenched to the bone. A couple more lines. For the times they are a-changing. So black female artists Nina Simone and Tracy Chapman would go on to famously cover that song expanding its meaning into civil rights for women and people of color. So that both the initial intent of the song and the way that the meaning expands in the mouth of a new singer are equally important. As if the continued life of a song depends on it being sung again and again with each new generation. So this game of who sings this song has taken new shape in my life as I follow the various rabbit trails of some of these songs and see that there is more than meets the eye or ear to something I've heard a million times before. This summer, we are journeying through the most iconic sermon of all time, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Each week we'll read a portion of it together and try to get to the heart of what Jesus is saying. And our text today is a song you've heard many times before. Known as the Beatitudes, a list of blessings, presumably preached by Jesus and written down by Matthew. And we heard the lyrical rhythm of the Beatitudes just a moment ago. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth, and so on. It almost lulls us into a sense of relaxation. However, these blessings are not mere proverbs. It's not practical advice for successful living, but rather if we listen closely to this song, we will hear that they are prophetic declarations for the coming and already present reign of God. But lest we hear a Jesus version of John Lennon's Imagine, that gets recycled at every tragedy, or an ethereal version of the carpenter singing what the world needs now is love, sweet love, 
let us remember that with this sermon, we are on a mountain. And the crowd is following Jesus, not so much for his teaching, but for his health care. He's been healing the afflicted and the possessed and the disabled, and they are all seeking a cure. And so he ascends that mountain just like Moses, who himself declared a new reality for the Hebrew people, a very different reality than the shackled, <clears throat> the shackled existence of Pharaoh's economy. And Jesus sits down because he's about to preach for three hours and begins by saying, this is the real world, blessed. And if we pause and go way, way back into Hebrew memory, well, there's a couple of stories of blessings that shed light on what Jesus is doing here. First, there's the story of Jacob and Esau. And if you remember, Jacob swindles Esau's firstborn blessing from him over a bowl of lentil soup. And he disguises himself so that his father Isaac, who is blind and would not realize that he was bestowing the firstborn blessing on the secondborn Jacob rather than Esau. And when Isaac does realize too late what has happened, Jacob has to run away in fear for his life. And Esau is left weeping at his father's feet, asking, is there any blessing left over for me? Because a blessing is more than well wishes or congratulations. Blessings bring into being a new reality. And that's why Isaac couldn't take it back when he realized he had been deceived. That's why he couldn't simply transfer Jacob's blessing back over to Esau. Because what was declared was already brought into effect so that everyone must live into this new reality. Because blessings change what could be into what is. So when Jesus says the poor in spirit will inherit the kingdom of heaven and those who mourn will be comforted, he is declaring that to be true right now. And now that it has been said, we are compelled to live as if it were true because it is. Later in Jacob's life, he'll return to Esau contrite and nervous. And before he meets him, he'll wrestle with God in the middle of the night, staying in the conflict until he finally is given a blessing. And he'll walk with a limp for the rest of his life because of that encounter. But it doesn't matter to him because he knows that a blessing transforms the way we walk through the world. The Beatitudes of Jesus transform the reality of what is already true. These blessings are not lullabies to soothe us to sleep, but rather they are a symphonic burst to awaken us to what already is. And with blessing comes responsibility. A blessing given, a talent bestowed, if unused, is wasted. There's an ethical dimension that underlies this song. What will you do with this blessing? What will you do now that you know how God sees the world and how can you see the world like God does? For example, how does it change our encounters to live as if the merciful will be shown mercy and the pure in heart will see God? Soren Kierkegaard, a Danish theologian, said, purity of heart is to will one thing. 
so that to be pure in heart is not so much about morality, but rather devotion. If we claim to love God, then our love and devotion and allegiance is to God and God alone, even if it seems foolish or unwise. Our whole lives, then, are to be oriented around the one true reality that Jesus declares, a world that is turned upside down, that does not play by Pharaoh's economy or Rome's rule, that does not reward power and posturing, but rather meekness and peacemaking. And we can trust this reality in part because of the game my dad used to play with me. Who sings this song? Who sings of a different world? Is he trustworthy? Is he someone who knows what it is to mourn and to devote himself to God no matter the consequences and to put his life on the line for justice and to participate in acts of mercy and peacemaking? And now that the gospel is in our hands, how will we take this beautiful, startling, affronting song and play it here and now? Will our anthems become laments? Will our declarations become questions? Will our lullabies turn into cymbal crashes, announcing the coming and already present reign of God? How will we sing of a blessed world today? Amen. Thanks for listening to the Azel Christian Church podcast. Azel Christian Church exists to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ through meaningful liturgy during worship, a public witness through outreach in the community, the nurturing of the spiritual life of every age group, and the witness of each member through discipleship, baptism, and the sharing of resources. To support this podcast and the ministries of Azel Christian Church, visit azelchristianchurch.org. Here you can contribute through giving online or find our Venmo information. If you're looking for a church or simply want to talk to one of our ministers, contact us through our website and we will be in touch. Talk to you soon.